Welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hey, Scott. Hey, James. Welcome to another week. Another week. Here we are. And uh, lucky for us, we have Ashley back with us because we have another question about cross-border slash in and out uh inve- international invest international versus cross-border see i can't even say it yeah, that's why we have a professional this is why he's here stuff. yes because we have another question um welcome back to the show ashley thanks for awesome back, to ashley. be back with you guys awesome. yep for those of you who hadn't listened before ashley's with Eritate wealth strategies out of australia he has a firm uh that specializes in financial planning for uh, Australians in the U.S. or uh, vice versa. So if you're in either one, uh, please check them out. We'll make sure you get a chance to say how they find you at the end. But with that, uh, shall we dive into today's question? Let's yes, let's dive into today's question. And we got another question that uh, Ashley is going to be more qualified to answer than Scott and I. So thank you for coming on again, Ashley. I'm going to yes. read the question and we'll go through this together. Here's the question. It says, hi, guys. I am a U.S. citizen living abroad. I started listening to your podcast because I knew it was time to get my ducks in a row. I followed your advice on online CDs. In one second, my question just disappeared. Let me try that again. Okay. Here's the question. It says, hi, guys. I'm a U.S. citizen living abroad. I started listening to your podcast when I hit 30. Alas, it was time to get my ducks in a row. I followed your advice to open an IRA and a few online CDs. I appreciate the gentle mindset shift your podcast has had on me. Recently, when I told a friend I plan to contribute to my IRA, he warned me not to do that. He warned that if I contribute to my IRA with earned income and taxed overseas, income protected from double taxation by the foreign earned income exemption, then I would have to pay U.S. taxes on my full income earned and taxed abroad. Is this true? Can income earned and taxed overseas not be contributed to an IRA without trigger of full overseas income taxation? If yes, what tax advantage options does a U.S. citizen have for income earned overseas? I am so glad I don't have to answer this. Yes. <laughs> Pressure's off. <laughs> what a question. What a question. Yeah. It's, it's like there's the super specific answer to that one, and then you can just peel away layers of the onion as you go. So uh, thank you for reading that out, James. I, I, There's just different parts of my brain that get engaged when I hear a question rather than when, when I read it. And in hearing that one, let's, let's just succinctly answer that question. I think with the specific fact pattern that, um, that this listener presents, I think that that is in fact true. Is it true in all instances? Definitely not. But... Um, he alluded to using the foreign earned income exclusion, and that's the thing. That, that's, that means it's going to cover you up to it's $107,400 in 2021 of foreign, in U.S. dollars of foreign income that you can earn without having to pay U.S. tax on that. So what, uh, we must presume that the, 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 the questioner there 
is making less than that. So can they contribute to an IRA? Um, they wouldn't want to anyway, to be honest. I mean, I think you guys would agree with me on that. If if you're not paying any tax on that money in the first place, then there's going to be zero benefit putting it into a tax-deductible IRA where it, get, it comes out and you have to pay ordinary income tax on it. The, totally real, the real question here is, should we contribute to a, a Roth instead? And that answer, that's a bit tough. That is a bit tough. I think below that amount below that federal earned income exclusion amount, you might consider that, but you've got to, I, I think that that might make sense. You know, when, when I think about that, particularly doing a Roth conversion at that amount, if it doesn't, if there isn't some other rule that comes in to, to, to throw that off, then I think that could make sense. And I'm about to allude to an, a, a situation where it does. So I mentioned 107,400 is the foreign ex uh, earned income exclusion amount in 2021. Well, some folks have said, well, why don't we just do uh, make a, a, a Roth uh, contribution above that amount, given that our income is, would be the, the progressive tax scale would start from $0. Well, the IRS is onto that one. It doesn't start at $0 in that case. It starts mm. at what would, or it resumes, I guess, would be a, a better way of saying it, that first 107,400 is, is excluded, but then above that, you're going straight into the appropriate tax bracket that applies at that level of income. So to do a Roth, it doesn't, it's not a slam dunk. It's not clear at all if you've got income above that level. So in short, an IRA, no. Could you make it anyway? No, because you don't have US tax, uh, taxable income. Would you want to do it anyway? No, because you just, you'd be committing financial harakiri in my point, uh, from my <laughs> point of view, like taking uh, tax-free income and then voluntarily deciding to pay ordinary income tax on that at a future date. So that wouldn't, that wouldn't make much sense mm -hmm. as that question is worded. Now, Ashley, uh, one of the things, and that makes a lot of sense, thank you for explaining it that way. If um, you're a U.S. citizen living abroad and you're paying taxes on that overseas income, maybe not U.S. taxation, but, but taxes wherever this listener happens to be, are there retirement plans that they could use in that country that might make sense? Or would that just be outside the question? Would that be something that would do more harm than good? Yeah, that's, that's a totally broad question. I mean, it goes 100%. <laughs> It goes in a hundred different ways because depending on the country, it, it's going to determine the answer. So in Australia, you don't have any choice. You, you know, welcome to Australia. You must contribute to the superannuation scheme here, mm. and you, that's it. There's there's no ifs ands or buts about it. If on the other hand, you go to certain other countries, now I'm not an expert on every you know every other retirement plan design in every other country. Uh, they can be mandatory. They can be optional. It just, it's everything in between. Uh, as I was saying in the prior episode, the folks that do have access to the, to the US financial system are very lucky in that it is considered the lowest cost and overall best uh, investment environment to, to have access to. And for, for individuals that are going overseas for a set period of time, particularly Americans abroad intending to return to the US, um, I would say that would put you in the category of the working holiday group that we were describing earlier, in which case the investment approach that I mentioned there was to really keep your, your, your financial center of gravity in your country of domicile, you know, where you see yourself long term. So 
you would continue to invest in the US. You're, you, if you're holding US investments, you don't have to worry about passive foreign investment corporation taxation because any US ETF or mutual fund is, is going to be fine because it's domiciled in the US. Um, and, and really, that, that would be the approach. If there was some tremendous tax benefit to contributing to a foreign retirement plan, you know, like it was, it was tax deductible uh, and the federal rate of tax was higher than the US, that's an important distinction there, uh, then, then I would say do it. Uh, if, on the other hand, that, that federal rate of tax is lower, then I would, I would have my, my reservations about that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Now, what about this? What, what if, say, I move abroad, and I know, obviously, whatever country I choose is going to determine the answer to this, but I'm living abroad, and I'm paying overseas taxes in whatever country I'm living in, and my income's under that 107, 400. So I just, let's just say I'm earning $100,000 per year. Yeah. If I do invest in the US, but outside of an IRA, outside of just in a non-retirement account, am I taxed on those capital gains, or could I invest and just kind of keep realizing gains up to the limit that aren't yeah. taxable, kind of do gain harvesting and just not pay taxes anyways. What a and, great question. No, that's the thing. And, and it, do, it goes back to what I was talking about in the first episode about citizenship-based taxation. So as a U.S. Uh, citizen in this case, you're always a U.S. tax resident. Um, we look to see whether there's a, a double taxation treaty to see if there's any kind of offsets that end up paying taxes uh, on the same income uh, twice. Um, but in, in this case, let's go back to this foreign earned income exclusion. The answer to the question there is in the name, foreign earned income. So mm-hmm. portfolio income yeah. is, is not part of that. So mm-hmm. you don't have an exemption that includes. Th- it's actually a really simple answer to, as to what's the best thing to do in this listener's case. It would be simply invest in an after-tax investment account in the US. You can't, as we've been over you may contribute to a Roth. I think that would that seems like it'd make a lot of sense, especially if returning to the U.S. Um, but as far as as everything else, it would just be your regular after-tax brokerage account. And and keep in mind, tax uh, capital gains tax of fifteen percent. That's fantastic. You know, that's the the Arthur Conan Doyle was the was the excuse me, I may have got attributed that quite wrong, but uh, <laughs> there's a quote out there. Forgive me, this is the early morning brain that's been fried from taking my first client meeting at 6 a.m. Um, there's, a, there's a quote out there, uh, and that is, tax is, is the price of civilization, or the price of civilization is, is what we pay in tax. So 15% on capital gains, w- looking at that from a worldwide basis, is incredibly low. So if, if that's all you're paying to invest uh, in U.S. capital markets, then that's, that's, that's really good. Mm. Yeah. Oh, great advice. Yeah. Well, th- th- that's so enlightening. I-, I had no idea that there was a foreign um, earned income exemption. So thank you for that. Uh, and it sounds like that's a good place to start. Yeah. And now I, w- with that, I'm going to kind of add on to my question. I'm asking this selfishly because I have a client I think this applies to who contributed to a Roth. He does some work in Mexico and came back and said, oh, actually, all my income is from Mexico, so can't do an IRA contribution, have to return it. And from there, what was it, the foreign earned income exclusion? exclusion. Now, if he's realizing capital gains in just a brokerage account here, those, those capital gains will be taxed 
on the U.S. tax side, and then his earned income would be taxed in Mexico in this example. Is, how, is that how it would work? That's right. Yep. So that, that brings up the concept and get ready for, for heads to explode. This is a uh -oh. whole <laughs> three-dimensional chest, right? So that brings up the concept of source of income, this source of income. Where did that income come from? And funnily enough, different types of income are deemed to come from different places. So let's say using your example just a moment ago, James, you've got a client uh, there uh, who spent some time in Mexico. Well, let's, let's flip that for a second. Let's say you're, you're, did you say it was a friend or a client? Doesn't, doesn't really matter. But client. Okay. Client. Let's say he happened to own investment real estate in Mexico and he comes back to the U S the source of that investment income, that, that pro the investment property, the, where it is deemed to be sourced from is Mexico because the location of the property is in Mexico. Whereas when, when the client was down in Mexico working, personal services are deemed to be sourced to the country where the personal services were performed, in this case, Mexico. But because the client, I, I must presume, you didn't, you didn't say it, but I'm going to presume that the client is an American citizen. They're, they're right. American citizen, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, because they're an American citizen, Remember, they're always a U.S. tax resident. And so we look to that portfolio income. Is it invested in a Mexican brokerage account or is it invested in a U.S. brokerage account? You said a U.S. brokerage account. US brokerage account. That's U.S. sourced. So now we've got a couple different things going. We've got, we've got Mexican sourced uh, earned income and we've got U.S. sourced portfolio income. And so... That client is going to have the privilege of filing two different tax returns in two different countries for as long as they have income sourced in two different places. And that gets to be as, as small as a burden as it sounds like. When you get countries that have tax years that don't align with the calendar year, like the mm. UK, like Australia, then you find yourself in this, this tax filing purgatory where you're every six months, you're having to file another tax return. And Typically, the CPAs and tax preparers that do that, that know what they're doing, and there's very few of them, I might add, but the, the ones that really know what they're doing between those two countries, do you think that they charge, you know, uh, turbo tax rates for, for their returns? Right. I'm going to guess no. <laughs> I, I would hope oh, not. No. <laughs> I guess would be correct. So it's funny. It's, it's, it seems sexy. You know, people listen to to various podcasts or read things online about all these loopholes and things that they can do. But honestly, it's not worth it very commonly. We're, we're being US citizens as we are having access to, to the, the best and biggest and broadest financial system in the world with very low taxes. I say just, just go with the US brokerage account. It's tried and true. It, you know what you're getting into. Um, and, and it's really simple. It's, it's Keep your really head from exploding that way. Such a great takeaway from this episode. <laughs> Keep it simple in such a complex situation that you're dealing with anytime you have cross-border work. And, and I should mention with that, there are, of course, caveats. France, if you happen to be from France or Spain, they have their own protectionist rules. So you could be in trouble with, with my simple back of the, the beer coaster financial advice right there. Like if you're mm -hmm. US abroad, just go for the... For the for the for the U.S. brokerage account, if if you're in France or Spain, because those are two countries I know that have their own protectionist investment measures, and so it's not as simple. But 
we weren't using that example. We were talking about Mexico. Yeah. No. Well, awesome. to that point, you know, you'd mentioned, you, um, I know you're doing work in our, uh, our profession to help bring about having advisors who are more skilled at all of this complexity that we're dealing with and whether it be from the, the U.S. or the country of origin and, and vice versa. Could you speak on that just for a moment and where people could find out more if they need help? Absolutely. So, so it was, uh, it was something I thought about for years and years and finally got started last year with, uh, with a friend of mine and professor at the American College, Professor Matt Gorin. Uh, we started the Global Financial Planning Institute with the, the mission of educating financial advisors on, on what they need to know in working with international and cross-border clients. Because as we've just touched the surface, it's, it's a whole different form of, of financial planning where the differences arise at the very, very beginning of the engagement. And if, if you don't know the right questions to ask, you know, it's like breaching the Hippocratic Oath. You know, first, do no harm. Well, you really could do harm if you screw some of these things up. So mm. gfp.institute, by the time this goes to air, we'll, we'll have our find an advisor portal up. Uh, these advisors have done a, a 10 lesson, uh, 20 hours in total, taken an exam, a proctored exam, uh, looking at what, what these issues actually are for, for folks moving abroad to the United States or from, from, from uh, expats in the US moving back abroad. So uh, we have a search tool that allows them to find the, the specific country that they're, they're looking for advice on. So that's gfp.institute. That is great. great. And we will link to that in the show notes for everyone listening. Thanks again, Ashley, for being here. We never had a guest and now we got a same guest twice. And it's uh, great having you on to explain some of these things that Scott and I know that we need a, a seasoned professional to, to go over with. Oh, absolutely. I'd be lost without you, sir. Thank you so much for your time. It's a pleasure. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you all. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a five-star review. And if you have a question that you'd like for us to answer, then head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co. And there's a section on the bottom of each page there where you can submit your question for us to answer in a future episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.